We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode of Seahawks Man to Man is presented by OfficialK9.com, the official store of Kenneth Walker III. His store combines the power of Web 2 and Web 3 to allow for fans to purchase new merch drops, digital collectibles, and enter exclusive giveaways. Make sure and peep OfficialK9.com to see all the newest merchandise from Kenneth Walker III and use code Seahawks for 10% off at checkout. Again, use code Seahawks on OfficialK9.com for 10% off Kenneth Walker III's official gear at checkout. Check out the podcast description for more details. Welcome to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugard. You guys can follow me on the tweet machine. You guys know where to do that at, at Mike Dugard, M-I-K-E-D-U-G-A-R. Verified on there. Shout out to Elon Musk. I need the yellow check, though, Elon, not the, not the blue joint. Uh, shout out to all YouTube subscribers as well. Seahawks Man to Man on YouTube. That's the number two man is the name of the channel. Appreciate all you guys listening. Audio listeners, we appreciate you guys, too. Shouting out our video, folks. Uh, Chris, talk to him. What is going on, everyone? It is your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206. And that's CKID206. All right, it's a late night one. I think we're recording after midnight. We are. We are. It's after midnight right now. Uh, Seahawks played uh, their second primetime game of the year. They lost to the 49ers. 21 to 13 was the final. If you're listening, you probably already know that. You also probably already know that they've fallen to 7 and 7. After starting the year six and three, that's pretty rough. That's a one and four uh, since winning against the Cardinals on the road. Uh, that's 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 a pretty rough stretch there. Uh, they got they pretty much got their shit s- smashed in the mouth pretty pretty early there. Uh, the run numbers weren't as bad as usual, but just a lot of bad coming. I mean, not all bad, but a lot of bad coming out of that game. You fall to seven and seven, so the other team clinches the division. So now you're now. Winning the division's out. I mean, it was a long shot anyway, but now it's like officially out. So the winning the division's out. You're seven and seven. And where are they at in the wild card race? They're eighth, eighth. right now. Right behind the Lions. Or ahead of the Lions, excuse me. They're ahead of the Lions who are six and seven. The Lions play the Jets this weekend. Big game now. Um the Giants are seven, five, and one. Washington seven, five, and one. I believe they play each other this yep. Sunday. They do. Correct. Okay. So mm-hmm. don't really matter to the Seahawks who wins that I don't think um you just need whoever win, whoever loses that to just keep losing um pretty, pretty probably the Giants because 
Well, actually, it doesn't matter. The tiebreaker yeah, doesn't them. matter anymore. Yeah, they beat them. Yep. Well, the tiebreaker doesn't matter because the Giants have a tie in their in their record. Oh, so yeah. The so Seahawks, the, Seahawks, the Seahawks can't finish with the same record as the Giants because there's no tie in the Seahawks, you know, record. They're just whatever and whatever. The Giants are whatever, whatever, and one. So the Giants cannot tie with the Seahawks and then lose a tiebreaker to the Seahawks because they can't finish with the same record. So you're in a bad spot there. Um, you, you need the Lions to do some losing. Um, and you got to do – you have because they have to fix a lot of shit. They have to fix a lot of stuff after – not just this game. This game – you watch this game, you're like, okay, they got to fix a, a few things, particularly on offense. But just general, you know, since that Cardinals game, since I flew home from Arizona and I was packing up to go to the to go to Munich, I'm like, this is a good team. This is a contending team. Mm-hmm. I went back and listened to our show from, from after that Arizona game in week nine. I'd probably be feeling really good. Um, there was a lot of good in that game. And since then – there is no good. The only good has been that Gino and Gino can throw and DK and Tyler can catch. And th- and, and Charles and Abe can block. That's probably been about the only good in the last five weeks. I think when Brody KT asked us, you know, with this tough schedule, I think he it wasn't that how do I explain this? This would be a tough schedule just because obviously what the Niners defense brings and that was on full display on Sunday. Wait, or Thursday. I, Thursday. Man, I'm over here tripping thinking it's Sunday. On right. Thursday night. Well, next right now we're technically recording on Friday, so whatever. We're all over the place. But in that regard, this is a tough game. The Chiefs is going to be a tough game. And what's not to say, Mike, after how we've seen this team perform over these last few games, that the matchup against the Jets won't be a challenging game. Well, especially. That's going to be a tough one. So right tough. there, Mike, because on the on the last episode, you said that there's two potential. Now you're – Eat some string cheese while you're talking. Go ahead, though. That's fine. But now you're saying that Jets game is going to be tough. Mm-hmm. So that's three. The The only game that you're saying is not tough now is that is that Rams game, the last one of the year. That might be tough, too. <laughs> so just in a couple of days, Mike, you have now switched just because of the on-field – of what you've seen on field on the of this Seahawks team. And it's on both sides of the ball, offensively, defensively. But to be honest, on Thursday, they just lost to a better football team. There's no way to cut it. It's just the Niners were better. Mm-hmm. Even though they had the seventh over the seventh round pick, Mr. Irrelevant. They drew up a game plan that he could execute. Hell, my man was, I think, eleven for eleven. At one point in the game, oh, was he really? Oh, yeah, wow. oh, 10 for 10. I know he was slanging it, but it wasn't as if he was throwing it downfield 13 yards. He was just taking a lot of the underneath stuff and it was completing it. And sometimes that's all you have to do in that scenario. And he was just confident. He had one bad throw that should have been intercepted, but unfortunately, unfortunately, Quandre just didn't come up with it. And that could have been a huge swing for the Seahawks offensively. And we saw how that went. Didn't work out. Travis Homer ends up fumbling. And as we talked about off wax, when Mike stated you got six yards to go, it's the probability of the opposing team scoring is through the roof. No surprise there that they did score. But then to start the second half, after hearing what Pete Carroll had to say about, oh, we're in a good position right now, playing on our home field. We know what we have to do. And then for the Niners to go down and score – and make it a 14 to 3 game that that's something that you just cannot have happen and 
It was a bust, missed tackle, just sloppy play. And you don't want to have those moments late in, De- in mid-December when you're trying to make a playoff push. Mm-hmm. Those, those should be for sure tackles, and you hold them to three. Yeah, you might have blown an assignment, but you you made up for it, and you held them to three. Now it's a 10-3 game. The offense is still having an opportunity to go down and get move the ball. It's The game is within grass. When it got 14-3, I'm not going to lie. I'm thinking, yeah, this might get real ugly. I was expecting to be 21-3, 28-3, and then it's a blowout. But um, they fought back. The Seahawks fought back, and they made it a game. Had some spots where, like, okay, things get interesting. But ultimately, I personally believe that the Niners were just a better football team offensively, defensively. And when, no matter what the Seahawks try to do, it didn't matter. The Niners were just one step ahead. And you know what? Sometimes that happens. Now it's what you do after the fact. And they have another tough challenge, as I mentioned earlier, with looking at the, the remaining schedule. They got another hot offense. Like, not another hot offense, a really hot offense with one of the best throwers in the game and Patrick Mahomes. The How best does... thrower in the game. Ooh. The best. My, I thought Gino was in that discussion. Gino's not the best. You're right. But no, it's, it's, it's Mahomes. It's Mahomes, I think, by a pretty by a mile. By, yeah, by it's pretty sick. Not a mile, but like a like a half mile. Quarter like mile. A, <laughs> yeah, pretty significant <laughs> leap between uh, Mahomes, I think, and the rest of the world right now. But I just think the Seahawks just got beat by a better team. And now you just got to move on and try to right your wrongs from the film that you got, the Seahawks are going to watch tomorrow throughout the week and just get better and come with a, a game plan and execute the game plan the best you can and live with the results. As my guy LeBron James would say, <laughs> we're going to live with the results. We're going to go back to the film room, figure things out, and live with the results after that. And that's all you can do at this point because I don't know how you felt going to the game, Mike. We both picked the Niners to win. We didn't give a score. I didn't think the Seahawks would cover three and a half. So far, so good. Well, a few things here before we get to questions that people have. I'm very concerned with the Seahawks, both short-term and long-term, actually, because I think the sample uh, – I'll go long-term first. They have a lot of the same problems that they've had in the past. Some of it is a little different. Like they haven't really been this bad at running the ball in a few years. Um, they had a really bad stretch, I think, in like 2020 when Chris Carson got hurt, and then had some other bad stretches. I think oh, and Chris Carson was hurt last year too. Um, so they were pretty Chris Carson reliant there for a couple of years, but like didn't go like too many long stretches. But we've seen this before where they're just like, okay, they can't run the ball. That's bad. The pass defense has actually shored up a little bit. Like, because that was memory, that was bad for like 2020, 2021. That came out the gate awful, historic numbers. I mean, like Andy Dalton throwing for like 400, uh, Matt Ryan throwing for like 400. Um, it was, it's pretty bad stuff. Excuse me. And then they fixed that, but now they have like the run defense issue. Uh, that's just not getting fixed. Um, I know today the numbers weren't bad the entire game, but like, Still 171 yards or something like that on design rushes on like 30 carries. Another like that's still pretty bad. Actually, that that is bad. If you give 171 every game, you'll probably be like a bottom five run defense. Um, no matter when that you give them, because it ain't like they just got a bunch of garbage time runs at the end to fix the number. Now, nah, man, the Seahawks the game was within reach there, and they just gave up like a 55 yarder um, that like skews the numbers a little bit, but not great. 
Um, so that long term, you just you see a lot of recurring issues. Maybe it's not each year to each year. Like right now, they look a little bit like the 2017 Seahawks, um, which kind of look like the 2020 Seahawks a little bit um, towards the back half of the that Russ Cook thing. And they've got some issues right now that are kind of similar to the 2021 Seahawks, especially in the pass rush situation. They had one sack today. And those pass rush issues go all the way back to 2019 and 2020 and 20. You know what I'm saying? So there's a lot of a lot of issues um, that just big picture seem to be just systemic, just issues that just won't go away. No matter if you change, like think about all those issues that I mentioned where they've had significant personnel changes and where they had significant coaching changes and still have the same issue. They've changed run game coordinators. They've changed, they've changed passing game coordinators. Uh, all the passing game is fine right now. Um, they've changed, um, they've changed D line coaches, in theory, um, not in theory, but like kind of with getting, you know, promoting Clint, they've got rid of personnel, uh, whereas KJ, whereas Bobby, no more Carlos Dunlap, no more Kerry Hyder, Benson Mayowa, like they've cleaned house in a lot of places. And still it's a lot of the same issues, which tell me it's originating up top. Uh, they've changed secondary coaches. This is a big picture. I just think that the problems they've had and continue to have are recurring um, and are kind of just like, symbolic of a bigger issue there an issue that a few good draft picks here and there won't fix i mean even you look at this year um they have a great draft class great draft class still might not even make the playoffs you know so um like they have guys in their draft class who are like top 10 pro bowl vote getters charles cross top 10 guy Tariq leads all corners ken walker like seventh or eighth or something like that like they got those are rookies in those spots still doesn't matter so i think long term We've, we've kind of seen that we can conclude, Chris, probably we can agree that that four-game win streak was a little fluky now. We can – yeah, not fluky. It was definitely an outlier. Like in the 14-game sample, we have those four in the middle, two of them against the same team, and the Cardinals were kind of an outlier. Um, and the rest of the 10 games are a, a, a much more uh, illustrative sample, I guess, of who they actually are. So I think – Long term, I'm a little concerned. Not a little concerned. I'm a lot concerned because I don't think this is just something you plug in a kid from Georgia, the kid from Georgia. You plug in a pass rusher. You plug in a guy here or a guy there that you fix. Like a lot, of, a lot of bad stuff here. Like multiple positions, guys not getting better at certain positions over the course of a year. And a lot of stuff. Um, so that's the long term. The short term, I've been very discouraged by some of the comments that I've got. Not from like readers. I'm talking about from the players and stuff. And and it's actually coaches too. And it's not any off the record stuff. I'm talking about stuff you guys can see too, like some of these post uh post-game press conferences and stuff like that. Like Bruce Irvin's comment, you know, and Ryan and Ryan Neal last week when they're like, like Bruce was like, Man, I got kids, man. I ain't about to just let nobody just whoop me, you know. Uh I'm like, ain't no other man about to beat me. Like you gotta just beats a man across from you. All 11 of us need to have that mindset. You know, and Ryan Neal was basically last week, uh, after the Panthers game, was like, hey, we just got to bow up, let our nuts hang. You know, and go out there and play. Um, today, I was talking to Phil Haynes. He was like, yeah, man, we just got to go back to the fundamentals, you know, and just start punching people in the mouth. You know, I was like, well, why aren't, why aren't you punching people in the mouth? He was like, I don't know. He took a deep breath. He was like, I don't know. And I was just like, you know, and those guys are not saying anything wrong. They're just being honest, and that's fine. But think about that, Chris. We're hearing shit like that in week 14 and 15. It comes back to the fact that they're 
they're just not there yet. They're not at that level yet. And maybe this is the year where they are like, okay, we have to get better and be that team next season. But there's also still time left, but their schedule ain't easy. All right? We've already talked about that ad nauseum. And the interesting thing is early in the year, we looked at the schedule and we said, there are going to be challenges towards the end of the season. Can they ride the sh- ride the ship and be able to have that same level of play that they had against a softer schedule during the midpoint of the season when they were on that four-game win streak? Well, we haven't seen that, but they're also facing teams that also are either better than them or just as good, and they might have a couple of superstars, as you mentioned with the Oakland Raiders a few weeks back. Vegas Raiders. God dang it, man. I'm never going to get that right, am I? The <laughs> Vegas Raiders. All the Raiders. Sure, Mike. Just call them the Raiders. Yes. Oh, here's what city they're in. Yeah, the Raiders. No one's talking about the Raiders of the Lost Ark for my <laughs> for my movie fans out there. You might have caught that. But you got Max Crosby, Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams, Derek Carr, elite superstars. Call them what you want. Each week they're facing some superstars. You saw on Thursday night football who they're going up against. Mr. Irrelevant <laughs> played well. George Kittle stepped up to the plate. Trent Williams did his thing. Mm-hmm. Christian McCaffrey did his thing. Mm-hmm. You're starting to see a pattern. If the, if the opposing team got some 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 dogs on there, how did the Seahawks respond? And it hasn't been a W <laughs> as of late. And that's concerning, as you pointed out, Mike. But I think that just goes to the, the whole premise of, man, they're facing some tough teams, and they don't have that luxury of going up against a a mid to not good football team per se they're going up against teams that are actually pretty decent well i mean the rams and the jets probably aren't good but <laughs> it's not even necessarily the quality of the team or losing to other team superstars it's that like these are things that speak to like toughness and mentality and attitude you know like bruce was like we all need to have that attitude of like i ain't gonna let the man across from me beat me that's it's week 14 that's you know? yeah, the, the, that's, yeah. A, that's an attitude and a mentality thing and you just want everybody to have that same mentality, you know, or at least the majority of the guys. And I'm not going to go through each guy and say who don't have the mentality or not or whatever, because that's that's just that's pointless. I wouldn't. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. But I do think that that's a, the fact that these guys feel like think about these are toughness things like bow up, beat the man across from you. Even Gino does like we got to win our one on one battles. Uh, punch it ain't mouth. Yeah, I mean, not just Gino Harley has any one-on-one battles. Per no, se. no, I, I was saying it's very cliche, but it ain't easy, man. You got Nick Bosa or whatever Bosa brother on that side. It's like yeah. when you're one-on-one, can I get a chip? <laughs> well, I'm they, not going. They, they were doing that a little bit, but not even just the one-on-ones, but just Bosa in general. Like you got guys like you got losing to Max Crosby or whatever, like Abe Lucas did a couple weeks ago. That will happen, but I mean, they got guys that's losing all over the place you know like whether it, and it's not even always a huge play like like one of them ken walker gets a carry earlier in the game and as soon as he touches the ball austin blyps getting walked back into him you know so all right play over you know one of the sacks yeah i think the charles gets beat by bosa um one of the uh it they, the the niners had like a third and seven or something like that really backed up on their own goal line and i think like I think it's Ayuk or Juan Jennings or whoever the hell beats uh, Mike Jack on like a slant. Yeah, Something they like did two that. slants. That was a nice, nice yeah. play design there. But you got to beat the guy in front of you. You know, like there's 
there's they missed some tackles today. Quandre missed one on George Kittle. Cody Ryan missed Neal one. Missed one. Yeah. Ryan Neal missed one on running back I ain't heard of before today. So um Jordan Mason, I think was his name. Like, so it's it, it, not to say those dudes that I'm talking about don't have like the attitude that I'm referring to. I just think that in general, for guys to be saying stuff like that this late in the season, like if you're not gonna have that attitude already, and if you can't feel that everyone has that already, then in week 14, 15, 16. You don't just wake up and get tough. Like, that's in you or it's not. You know, that type of attitude is in you or it's not. Um, and that's why I'm concerned in the short term. Like, I feel like long term when guys were, you know, we training camp, you're a whole new team. Like, when you run it back, you know, like everybody, everybody's different. Even if you return your core, you're, you're a whole new whole new team. But, like, right now, I, I don't think you just wake up and get attitude. You know what I mean? Like, you can – maybe you can harness that – for a game, maybe I don't know. Every guy is different, but like you, that that part concerns me because then that speaks to where they are losing these games. It's up front. It's the front sevens. I, you know, they're not getting carved up, getting thrown on all over the place. You know, like they they kind of held Devontae into a reasonable number, seventy four yards, I think it was. Like they're Seven not catching. DJ Moore didn't even catch a pass. You <laughs> That's know? insane. Yeah, for the Panthers, you know, like Mike Evans had like a decent day against them. I think Chris Godwin didn't even go crazy. Like they're not, it's not just, it's not like 2020 and 2021 teams where they couldn't, they, they, they could not cover. That was bad. They were just not covering at a very high level at all. Like right now they're doing that. It's the front, they're, it's their front five or six against the other teams like front seven or whatever. And they're just getting whipped. And a lot of that is attitude. A lot of that is getting off blocks. A lot of that is is just being able to outlast the guy in front of you. And they're doing it here, doing it there, but it's not working. And then if it is working on the defense, then like they like today, it doesn't work on the offense. Chris, they haven't been able to run the ball since the last time they ran the ball well. The Cardinal game in week nine, that was it. When Ken had like 78 yards in the fourth quarter, because um, before that he wasn't even having that great of a game. Uh, Giants game, he got shut down. Um and then they had the the, the Chargers game, he went crazy. But you know, I think that they, there's so many things that that's wrong with the the team at, in current form that are a talent thing for sure. I'm sure you know, but a lot of it just seems like, man, like Ryan said, just just buck up, beat the guy across from you, man. Win your win your battle. You know, that's what you got to do. And then guys are just not doing that on a on a consistent per play basis and then you get turnovers and then you get guys that you know pre-snap penalties post-snap penalties offsides false start whatever then you that you can't afford that shit so yeah i think the short term i'm very 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 concerned you know gino said that, that you know there's no panic in the locker room and of course i don't think there is i think that like in that regard mentally guys still believe because there's still a chance you know but for everyone else who's not in there it's very easy to just be like yeah, I don't know. I don't see it. And it's not just because you play bad in one week or play bad another week. It's just it's the why for me. It's the it's the hearing the the thoughts of like, I don't I would never want to hear nobody say like, nah, man, we all just got to decide to beat the guy across from us <laughs> in week 14. Tell me that week three. I'm like, all right, cool, young team. Ah, man, y'all been through. Y'all been overseas together. Y'all been, y'all done been in some tough road environments together. The Saints game, the Detroit game. Um You've been some some tough spots, so I think that yeah, for that to be one of the issues, the attitude, the toughness, the kicking the other guy's ass in front of you, 
you know, particularly in the run game. Because uh, the run game was supposed to be the thing that, like, you dominate as an offense because you're going forward. That's why offensive linemen like that shit so much because they get to push the guy. Whereas when you pass set, you're going backwards and you're, you know, gravity, physics, all that shit is against you. It, they're they're just not they're just not winning up front enough on either side of the ball, um, and then it becomes down to tackling, you know, as well. So yeah, no, I, I'm just I'm concerned about that because I don't think that stuff you just wake up and fix, man. I think that's got to be in you at this point at this point in the year. Like if you need week sixteen to kick your shit in the gear, your shit probably ain't gonna get kicked, you know. That's just at least not in a good way. That's that's kind of that? where I'm at. Before we get to Twitter questions, there's that famous photo of the X-ray with the dog in them. The Seahawks ain't got that dog in them at this point in time, and to your point, should have had that weeks ago. Yeah, collectively they do because there's some guys. There's some. Oh like, yeah, yeah. There's, there's some guys you can see it. You can you can see it with Bruce. Like he's out there setting them edges like a motherfucking dog. Yeah, you know, Chenna too. Actually, um, are you playing some of the best football for the Seahawks? Yeah, I mean Ryan Neal's out there playing with a bad knee, bad shoulder, bad. Ryan Neal is reminding me of that one episode where Squidward has been electrocuted by, obviously in SpongeBob, he's been electrocuted by I think all the jellyfish, and he pulls up and he's oh in the body cast in the body cast. (laughs) That's Ryan Neal right now, and he's still out there diving over, making plays, pass breakups. He, as you mentioned, he's he got that dog in him. The X-ray clearly shows the little the dog inside of him. He has it, yeah. and I guess not everyone has that, but that's what you would need for this team, I guess, for them to feel to be at ease with, I guess, the results. Like if everyone was on the same page in that regard, but we'll see. They got yeah. another tough challenge ahead, and we'll see how they respond. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, uh, I'm confident they got guys... It's not like it's an effort thing. Someone tweeted me today was like, Mike, did you see the fourth quarter our team gave up? I didn't see a team that gave up. They were fighting right to the – like it took Brock Purdy sliding like a half yard, like right where he should have to to convert like a third and one late in the game with Quentin Jefferson giving every little last breath he's got to try to chase down Brock Purdy on that. Like they were – those guys were – there was fight in the team to the very end. I thought that was very – 
uh, important. Even Michael Jackson chasing down that Jordan Mason dude on that 50-yard run for Mike to come from across the field like that yeah. to make sure he doesn't score. That's defending every blade of grass. You know, like that, that's effort. The effort yeah, is you there. ain't you okay. ain't scoring another touchdown, homie. You're going you're yeah. going to get hit. Yeah, that was you know, that that was the effort I, I think is there. But it's not it's not all 11 on every play like like Bruce was alluding to after the Panthers game. I didn't talk to Bruce after the game, but a lot of guys didn't really want to talk um, today. Guys that normally talk did did not um, like DK was out of there. Uh, Tyler didn't talk. His fingers broke, but guys were out of there real quick. Didn't get a chance to talk. To, I didn't see Travis Homer at all. Um, that's yeah, second that's a second game for him. Second straight game. I haven't even seen him. He is. He's probably not showering after game. He, he's to the car. I'm not seeing him at all. Ken didn't want to talk after the game. I'm not mad at these guys. They don't have to. I'm just pointing it out. That that's to show you guys the energy. Yeah, even Tariq didn't want to talk today. Tariq always talks after the game. He didn't want to talk. He wasn't even a bad movie. Just like I just don't want to talk to nobody right now. I said, you know what, dog? I feel you. <laughs> you know that was it. So, but yeah, it was. Just, it, it's not a lot to say. I feel them. I didn't want to talk to them that much either because it ain't that much to say. It's the you same know? thing. <laughs> same shit. Same shit every 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 week. Other than the defense played a little better today. Um, I did talk to Shelby after the game. Um, he was talking about all the things that were wrong with him. He said he was having trouble breathing on Sunday. He had stomach issues. He stood up too fast. He got dizzy. Um, mm. He said, I, "I was like, how bad were you?" He was like, "Man, I was, I was dying uh, on Sunday." So. Just you know, throwing out there, wondering for people wondering how how sick he was. So that could be why Trey Brown didn't play today either. But yeah, I'm a, I'm worried about that going forward. It's not that they're not going to try hard, but it's like, are you is every all eleven going to just just like buck up and lock in for for sixty minutes? You know, like that that's tough. We're not seeing it. We haven't really. We didn't even see it from the defense in the game they won in this stretch. You know, the defense blew the game against the Rams. Gino and them just saved their ass. Um, <laughs> And today, the defense didn't get the ball back for them when they needed to either. Um, tough spot. But, yeah, so it's 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 a lot wrong. There's a lot wrong with not much time to fix it, man. It's very, very, very concerning going forward. Well, with that being said, let's jump to our favorite segment, and that is Twitter questions. We give a chance to all of our listeners to just give us questions, and Mike takes his time to answer them. So we'll go ahead and get into that right now. Our first one comes from all the way from Australia and it is from Steve Campbell at Splash Log. Does DK need to chill or is it a good thing to run hot and have that white line fever? Go Seahawks. Yeah, I, I do think you need a couple guys who are built like that. And I, I think um, yeah, I think you need a couple. Let's see, how many starters on there on offense? Probably like unofficially like 12 or 13, you know, counting like different personnel groupings, you know, second tight end, third receiver. Probably 12, 13 guys. If you got like three, three dudes who are like borderline crazy, that's cool. That's like the number, I think. I just made that up, but let's roll with that. You just, it, three's like the max. You want like three like dogs who's going to be chipping at the other team, going at it, cussing them out, like cool. It seems like they really just only got the one, it being DK. But um, but DJ Dallas is like that too. Um, you know, he, he, he ain't scared to bark at nobody. Um, I'm not really sure who else is like that. But I know DJ and and DK are uh, are for sure. Uh, so I was sitting next to um, Dave Bowling, columnist. Uh, I don't know who he's writing for now, but a lot of people who read and stuff in Seattle, you probably know Dave. He's worked at Coleman New Tribune for a long time. He I sit next to him at the home games, and uh, he he like he kind of brought that. He was like, man, 
man, DK gets a lot of penalties. And I was like, let me look it up, actually, and see how many it is. I think DK, even after today, only has like six penalties. Six is like a lot, but um, he's got like three OPIs, and then he headbutted Jalen Ramsey, said something to the ref, and then today he got the taunting call. Like in 14 games, three penalties, none of which were three penalties that are like post-snap, none of which were that consequential. The the the, the one where he, uh, I think, said something to the ref, that could have been bad because I think that made Jason Myers field goal really 60 long. yards, yeah. Yeah, it made it really long. Yeah, that, that was almost pretty bad. But today, it was like a fourth and one. They were already punting. Like, it, it wasn't going to do shit. Um, the headbutt on Jalen, I mean, you shouldn't head, headbutt anyone. But, like, again, like, if you got one or two dudes, like, like DJ Fluker was like that. And in the Legion of Boom days, the entire defense was like that. Like, it was it was 11 dudes ready to kick ass every snap. Um, so it's a bunch of dudes living on the edge there. So I think that you can – on defense, I think the number is not three. On defense, the number, you can have like eight dudes wired like that. Offense, you got to be careful. But, yeah, I, I think DK's – I think DK is fine. You need some guys like who are wired like that to let the other team know. Like, come, like he told Dre Greenlaw, like, come on, let's fight. Yeah, I'm with that. You need a couple guys like that. This next one's from Mookie Alexander. How high of a priority should wide receiver be for the Seahawks in the 2023 draft? Uh, it can't be that high because they have other other needs um, up front. Like they have to dedicate a lot of resources up front, free agency, the draft, and then really in the interior in particular. Um, Brian Monet, I really feel bad for him. Uh, really, he's a soft-spoken, good cat. Um, don't bother nobody. Just comes in, work, don't even say shit. Blows his knee. In his first start of the year, I want to say it was. Um, maybe maybe he started another game, but yeah, that, that stinks. Um, so you got to look at something there because you probably won't have him to start the year. Uh, I, I would, I'd be very surprised. You know, Rashad Penny blew his ACL out around this time in 2019 and didn't come back till around this time in 2020. Everybody's a little different, but um, yeah, that sucks. So you got it. I mean, Al's uh, in year, Al's in 2010 draft class. So just, or 2011 or whatever. So just do the math on that. So you're going to need, you need to address the nose spot. Um, you got to decide what you're going to do with Miles Adams and LJ Collier, who on first glance, I thought Miles and LJ played fine, by the way, um, stepping in. Uh, but you got to see what you want to do there. So that's like four spots all that's all four interior d-line spots right there and puna's a free agent um so you gotta really like you gotta dedicate that's all that is more important to me than receiver um because tyler ain't dead his hand just broke so um or he uh, broken finger so that ain't that bad that's more important than um than receiver to me i think o-line at right guard center are both more important than that to me. Uh, like, because those are guys you need playing every snap and you need them being at their best and you need them to be kicking other guys' asses more often than they're getting knocked back. So I think you got at least like four or five spots maybe that I, I would address before receiver. Like, I think, it, what, what, what second round pick are they going to have because of Denver? Like, pick like 30-something probably because of Denver in the second round. Probably 34, something like that, 35. Like, I don't even think you can use that on a receiver. I think you got to go deep. You got to go trenches your first three picks in my mind. I don't think you can afford to do anything 
anything else uh, with those with those early picks. Then maybe with your second second round pick, you can start thinking. You know, a skill position guy. This next one is from Re Ep- Epimurl. Sounds about right. Do we have any idea what kind of contract Gino wants? I don't. I don't. Um, I have not talked to his people. I haven't really heard any rumblings. Um, I think they're doing a good job of just like waiting to see how it plays out because Gino is kind of like on a week to week audition thing. Um, and it's crazy because I think Gino's playing okay. What did he finish with today, Chris? Let me check. 200 yard, 200 plus yards and a touchdown. He was like yeah, 238 or something like that. Put it this way when I watch these games that they've lost, I very rarely have been like number seven, ain't it? You know, yeah, 238, like, Mike. Yep. Yep, and he, I think he, and this is, this is what these games have really showed with Gino, is that he has limitations. You know, he was like voted in the Mike Sando, the homie at the Athletic. You know, he talks to like fifty execs and coaches and stuff like that around the league, and he does his QB tiers. And Gino was like thirty five out of thirty five, like he was dead last in tier five. They had to like make up tier five for Gino. He was the only guy in it. Like Gino's probably more like a tier three, bottom tier two guy like he's really good um but the reason he's not in tier one or the top of tier two is because he's not superman you know and that's what he's at he'd have to be chris today they were trying to be balanced and shit they're trying to run the ball keep the defense honest gino ended up dropping back 48 times it's a season high and some of that's because they had like two two minute drills but still that that's that's damn near 50 dropbacks in a, in a regulation game um, against a team that has Nick Bosa. No, no, you can't. Do, and he still completed like 70% of his passes. Um, so no, he, that, he just has limitations. And that's that's not a bad thing. Kyler has those limitations. Russ has those limitations. Justin Herbert has those limitations. Like the pretty much the only dude that don't is probably Mahomes. Maybe Josh Allen. Uh, but even Josh is turning it over like crazy these days. So um I think that these the last few games really shown that Gino needs some help. Like he's getting no help from the run game at all, um, and so that I think that's still he's still worth the franchise tag at least, which is thirty one million. So um, that and I say worth that. Like I mean that because a lot of days him just just keeping them in it has like been all they've been able to hang their hat on on offense. That and then Charles and Abe playing well. So, yeah, Gino, I don't know what he wants, but it should start with the franchise tag number, which is about 31 mil. This next one comes from Will Branch at Beeman, 5385. Did this game come down to coaching? That's a great question. Um, We've never got that question before, Uh, at least not phrased like that. We've been doing the show for a while. No. However, though, Chris, did they break down the first touchdown on Amazon? The, the 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 trick yeah that was beautiful i i immediately thought about how the panthers use the swing pass and what the teams have been attacking the seahawks with and the niners just took that and took advantage of it they said we know you're gonna fall for this screen oh we're gonna throw a screen over here had these dudes running left and right and the middle is wide open so that was a just an amazing play call by shanahan and perfectly executed I guess you have to do much. <laughs> yeah, that was... I mean, you do have to execute a lot of that. That puts a lot on Brock Purdy, actually. But just... Yeah, it was... Even Pete Carroll called it beautiful after. Yeah. And then, <laughs> like, 
that's how you know it was something like yeah Pete didn't know he was like yeah we weren't ready for that one <laughs> yeah it was like that's a play you don't see very often in the league anymore and I mean it's like well you see it because yeah you knew that they were you knew the Seahawks knew you Shanahan knew that the Seahawks knew that they got beat on that concept so Shanahan figured all right if we run the concept they're gonna have an adjustment to the concept okay cool so we'll have an adjustment to the concept great we'll fake the screen pass and then we'll throw this the other screen to christian mccaffrey you know so he, then they figured well the seahawks probably figure we're gonna have an adjustment to that knowing that they have an adjustment all right cool so we'll adjust to what we think their adjustment will be and then have the the delay uh released from the time it's just just beautiful just beautiful stuff that play was coaching the rest of the game i think was just the example of how many how many first round picks are on San Francisco's D line? Like all three. of them. Yeah, yeah, it does it does feel like all of them? I'm, I'm, you know what? Hold on, I got the I got the little roster thing. You might be able to just chart this out right now. I want to show. Uh, let's see here. Nick Bosa, uh, Eric Armstead. That's two. Oh, that might be it. That might be it. Where where they get this? Uh, Kevin Givens, brother. I don't know who that is. He don't sound like a football player. He sounds like a uh, salesman. He kind of sounds like a rapper to me. Uh, oh, he's undrafted. Well, there you go. There's that. Uh, Samson Ibukam. Oh, he's did he go to Eastern? Is he from here? Is uh, good question. He went to Eastern. Yeah, he did. Uh, yeah, he went chose to the wrong school. It's okay though. Uh, no, nah, they did. He was part of the Eastern team that beat us. Uh, where that was it? So, no, he made the right call. Yeah, fourth round pick. So, it might just be uh, Armstead and Bosa. So, it's not a ton, but I mean, that's enough uh, to be kicking ass. But their front line, look here, man. The Niners front seven. I'm gonna go back and watch the film, and I'm probably gonna go end up buying a Dre, a Dre Greenlaw jersey. That dude is real, man. He he didn't miss no tackles. He wasn't letting any leaky yards get behind. Like, and when he was making contact with Ken Walker, he was driving Ken back. You know, like, it, he was oh, amazing. Amazing, amazing. It, it reminded me of the, the, the Luke Keekley and what was the dude's name that played with him? Um, I think Thomas Davis. Yeah, Ooh. old man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then it kind of reminded even Levante David now and Devin Wyatt or Bobby Wagner and, Kate and, um, and uh, KJ. Like, that just looked like. Dre, Dre and Fred Warner, that's so that's what it was. I don't think the game came down to coaching. I think it came down to the front seven, just kicking Seattle's uh, front uh, in the butt, and it didn't allow the Seahawks to attack one of the probably the only weakness that the quote unquote Niners defense had, which is the corners. And the corners just the times they did get tested, Traverius Warwood with all the smoke. Um, the other dude whose name is way too long in ghetto, um, number 38. <laughs> He, I mean, his Chris, bro, his long, his name long, bro. His no, name, I, they said it on TV. I said, huh? What a name, bro. He's got like three O's in his name. Oh, maybe weeks. they didn't say his name. I lied. Hang on. Did, yeah, I'm not even gonna try it. I know who you're talking about, but they didn't. I don't think they said his full name then. But yeah, the pronunciation's point. in there. It, oh boy, that's a lot of stuff. Yeah, I ain't gonna try it. He was number 38 though. Either way, my point is that the front seven was winning enough so that they didn't even get the chance to test those guys like they wanted to. They had to know they didn't have to respect no run game really. Um we were talking last last game Chris, their longest run was 16 yards. Well, today the longest run was 15 yards. You know, so I mean at least by a running back, you know, so it wasn't it wasn't no better. So yeah, I think this wasn't about coaching as much as it was about 
drafting and roster construction. Uh, that the roster on the 49ers is significantly better than the roster of the Seattle Seahawks. This next one comes from Michael Hibbler. What does this season mean for the Seahawks? Wow, Michael got real philosophical out there on this. That's some. That's a that's a deep question there, Michael. Uh, that's a very great question. So, I think that this season has really should the Seahawks and mostly the fans should really understand with a season like this the difference between how long it could take to go from going to being like a scrappy, fun, good, can beat anybody but could lose to anybody team to being an ass kicker. Like that's, there's just levels to that shit. And the Seahawks are seeing it. And even if it's not the team they play, but like look at the Eagles right now. Like they're an ass kicker. And look where they kick ass up front. And as much as Buffalo has is, is the Josh Allen-led team, they also kick ass up front. Buffalo's defense is disgusting. Um, some of the other teams that are kicking ass right now are really doing it up. I mean, the Cowboys as well. Um, yeah, the, the Chiefs mostly up front with their O-line. But even then, you let the Chiefs pass rushers get to you, man. They can, they can get to you, you know. Carlos Dunlap hit 100 sacks this year. Chris Jones is probably an all-pro uh, defensive tackle. They stand, And then you get Frank Clark. Um, so yeah, I just think that this season should really show that you need a lot of elite talent. Like in the years in the in the post Legion of Boomer, the Seahawks have had a lot of like good players, like even very good players in some instances. Like DJ Reed last year, I thought was very good last year. Tariq this year is very good. Um, Gino, very good. Tyler, very good. Um, but like you need you need ass kickers at multiple like that Niners team Chris we counted this before we started recording how many guys do they have that have made an all pro team at least six guys come on that's 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 nasty that's scary because Christian McCaffrey who just looks like Christian McCaffrey again uh yeah I think he's I think our one of our Niners guys said he scored like every game he's played with the Niners Trent Williams Trent Williams Christian McCaffrey they don't have Debo in this game but George Kittle Yep, Kittle. Greenlaw. Um, I don't know. I think Fred has. Oh, Fred Warner, excuse me. Yeah, I think Fred has probably been all pro. Let me check. Uh, yep, Fred has been all pro. Um, and then so you got five. We're missing one more. Bosa. Oh, yeah, there's your six. Like that, that. Now, every team ain't going to have that many because um, the Niners are just loaded, but like that's what it takes. Like, I think. I don't even remember the last time the Seahawks have had two first team all pros I really I, I really don't even remember the last time that's happened I I, I don't think that's happened since that might not have happened boom? 20, yeah I might not have until like 2015 or something like that in a year that Bobby because Bobby's really the only one that's been making it like DK was like second team or some shit I think Russ has been like second team um yeah it, it, it's been a little bit so I just think that this season as fun as it's been in some cases and frustrating as probably been to watch in some cases, it, big picture should show you that like you need a lot of elite talent to really contend. Um, and you need that elite talent to be consistent every week and kick ass. And I think that that's where the, that's where the Seahawks are lacking in the big picture. It doesn't mean they can't like make the playoffs this year or whatever, but big picture, man, it ain't just like, a good player here or a good player here. It's an elite player here, an elite player there that that you really need to take you over the top. 
This one's from Zach. Should I be disappointed that the playoff dream is dying or excited about the long-term potential for the Seahawks? Yeah, a lot of people view this as like house a house money season because they have like Denver's pick um, and no one expected them to be good, which I, I feel you, but I don't. I never looked at it that that way. You know, I don't really root for only only team I really root for is you know WSU athletics, mostly the men's basketball team and the football team, and I, I'm not really. There's no like house money thing to me. Like I want to win every game. I want to be competitive to the very last second of every game i want to win every game i want to compete for the rose bowl or make the ncaa tournament like all that every year there's no like moral victories or like ah yeah well no one thought we'd be good so even if we're better than what people thought then it's a win Nah, who cares what people thought how good should we be based on the talent we have you know and sometimes that's different you know year to year but when you start six and three these guys fuck around and finish seven and ten that's terrible i don't care what people thought in august that's terrible that's what Chris starting with six and three and then going what? what would that be? One. Why are you Why are you asking me some math? What the hell is oh, wrong? That's with my you? That's my bad. Okay, I'll that that is one win over the last I don't know the rest of the games. Okay, I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you I'll that much. Six and three to seven and ten is one and seven. That's one and seven. At that point, what people wrote about you or said about you on their TV shows in July and August is irrelevant. You let yourself down as a team once you, as a franchise, if you start six and three and end up seven and ten or whatever. Even if you end up like eight and nine, that's pretty disappointing. That's like two and is that two and seven over that stretch or something like that? Two and six over that stretch with a lot of those games at home too against teams with losing records. Like, come on. So I think that, uh, yeah, I would be frustrated that a team that started six and three may not make the playoffs. That that's bad. Like, screw the outside expectations from August. Who cares about that right now? You started six and three, and you had a lot of winnable games in front of you and choked them. So I think that that yeah, I forget who said ask that question, but yeah, you should be Zach. You can be, you can be Zach. You can be excited for the future, but still be frustrated that you blew this chance right here um, because it, I got some bad news for you guys. This team ends up seven and ten or whatever, which I don't think they will. If they do, that, that means they have a lot more problems than a couple first round picks can fix. That's a lot of problems. If they if you if you end up one and seven defense the year, that means you you're bad in several areas that that if, that a couple free agents and a couple draft picks are not going to fix in 2023. I can promise you that. So um, and remember, the Seahawks are basically down a draft class. They basically have no 2021 contributing draft players. So whereas you're supposed to be able to be able to count on like second year players right now and third year players next year, you basically don't have that outside of Trey Brown. So. Um, yeah, that's that's it's they're in a bad bad spot. Um, if they finish like if they lose all the rest of the games, that's awful, man. That's yeah, I would be very upset about that if I was you guys. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Next one comes from Mookie Alexander. He has one more for us. Now that we have a big enough sample size, does it feel like the Seahawks' win-loss record was boosted primarily by facing a soft schedule? 
No, because I think that the, the teams that they were beating were playing good football at the time. Um, the Chargers were, the Cardinals were playing like competitive football, probably not good. Um, and who else did they beat? The Giants. Oh, the Giants weren't very good, but they were playing some decent football at the time. And they kind of still are, but not as much. The Giants also probably won't make the playoffs, which is also bad because they started like 6-1. and one. That's terrible. Um, anyway, um, I think what we're kind of seeing is that the the off the defensive line in particular in a lot of those games took advantage of some not good offensive lines because I, I i remember i think the cardinals o-line was pretty banged up and now we just learned that the cardinals o-line is bad so bad that their coach did some stupid shit in mexico and lost his job um during the mexico trip so you got the oh that yeah that was bad you know how bad you gotta fuck up to lose your job in mexico like immediately they don't, they don't investigate put you on administrative leave or nothing they just fire you Adios, amigo. Maybe pink slip. Yeah, man. How you say pink in Spanish? <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> I don't know. Do you speak Spanish? Como me llamo es Cristobal. Y tú? That's all I know. Uh, okay. None of that was pink. Um, Rosado. That's how you say pink in Spanish? Correct. How you say it? Rosado. Rosado? Okay. Um, oh, yeah. Like Rose, Rose. Ah, gotcha. Um, anyway, uh, where was we going with that? Oh, we're talking about uh, teams that the Seahawks played during that four-game win streak. So in that four-game win streak, they beat the Cardinals, Chargers, and Giants. Um, I don't remember the the uh, Chargers O-line being banged up uh, in that. I just think that the Chargers don't really run the ball much. But if I also remember correctly, they didn't get to Justin Herbert that much in that game, uh, which makes sense because the Chargers O-line, I think, got Corey Lindsley back in that game, which they're, they're, you know, they're star center. Uh, you look at the Giants game. The Giants were really banged up up front coming into that game. I forget all the players that they were missing. I do remember them missing quite a bit. Um, so, you know, they were banged up at receiver too. But particularly, I think what we really can take away from though that four-game win streak is that the D-line feasted on some not good O-lines. And now that they've come across some better O-lines, the, uh, the Raiders, the Bucks, the Panthers, uh, who else? Uh, they did a little. They did a little better against the um, a little better against the Rams, who use kind of more perimeter stuff than just relying on their O line. So that makes sense because the Rams O line is bad. So, but then who, who they play today? Oh, the Niners. Good old line. They got feasted on again. So I think that that's what we can take away with the sample size. Mookie is that they. If not that those te- those teams. Uh, let's not even look at those teams as a whole. Like I don't think we can just isolate it to like. Those guys kicked ass against uh, some old lines that were incomplete against a bunch of dudes who I bet will not be on those teams next year. So I think that was the the thing that we kind of maybe overlooked at the time that seems a little bit more apparent now. This next one is from I am Daryl MC. During the stretch where the offense, Seahawks offense that is, seemed to be performing well, they were moving the pocket, rolling Geno out. Feels like we haven't seen that in a while. Is it just me? Was there a conscious decision to move away from that? No, I, I do think that they've they've gone away from a lot of that boot action um, stuff that was working really well. They're still booting, but then now they're booting to like, or now they play action to more like deep shots, um, kind of looking more like the Russ offense a little bit, which is interesting. They're also just Shane is in a bad spot, so I don't think it's no to the question. It's not like a, it, I think it's not a full on conscious effort just to specifically go away from that. I think that they're in a t- Shane's in a tough spot here because 
if you're Shane, right? You're like, all right, I'm gonna call a run here on first down, first and 10. But you know, like, fuck, all right, if this doesn't work, now we're in second and 11. And then I can't call another run, right? So now I gotta throw it. Well, shoot, we throw incomplete. Now I'm looking at third and 11, and we're probably gonna end up off the field. Like, it's a thought press you gotta have. So it's like, okay, well, I can't, if, then it's like, okay, do I call a first down throw? Okay, all right, well, if that does not work, we're on second and 10. Well, second and 10 is a bad rundown. Like, you should not run on second and 10. Well, okay, if that's the case. Then I got to call another pass on second and 10. Okay, well, now I've just called two passes in a row. And if that doesn't get us where we need to be, then I might have to call a third one on third down. And I'm just passing every play. So you just, he's in a tough spot. He's trying to find ways to manufacture easy gains without putting Gino in harm's way, putting his tackles in tough spots, um, but not totally abandoning the run game. Like he, I don't, if I was him, uh, I mean, I can see why they ain't scoring no points today. Like it's, that's a really hard position to be in because you can't run it, but you don't want to give up on a run because you have two rookie tackles and you don't want to get Gino fucking killed out there. Um, it's it's just, a, it's just, a, it's just a mess. I think that Shane's, Shane's, he and his staff are in a really tricky spot when there's only so much stuff you can call when you're not winning up front. So um, I, I think that it, there's a few things they've gone away from. And you can see that they're trying to get the manufacture, the quick stuff, trying to roll Gino out without even play action. The intentional grounding he got, all he, he basically just rolled left. Same thing with the interception he threw against the Panthers, or uh, the first one. He just rolled left, you know, just moving the pocket to try to help. Uh, and Shane's got to do all that type of stuff right now because he can't just hand it off. Can't get under center and hand it to, 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 to number nine like he was during that four-game win streak. This next one is from Eric Stanzik. Any of the rookies hitting that rookie wall or are Abe and Charles just facing some dudes? Yeah, I think they're just facing some, some dudes. I think there's some reps. There was some reps. When I went back and watched um, the Panthers footage, I thought both of them did really well against Brian Burns. Uh, I didn't get a chance to like, tweet no clips because of short week but i thought they did really good i'll probably go back and watch today and see some good clips against nick bosa see some bad clips against nick bosa i mean that's what just that's what bosa does um in general though i think the protection on the edges has been good enough to get it done um they're just dropping back a lot man like it's a lot it's a really a lot to ask um those guys to hold up against some of these fronts over and over and over with no run game. That means guys are just teeing off on them. Like it's just, it, it, it's very tough. So I don't think anyone's hitting the hitting the wall. I think, I think Boye is in a tough spot because he's not getting a chance to rush the passer. Um, but that's understandable because of how well Bruce is playing. Uh, I think Kobe's fine. Tariq's fine. I think Ken looks fine. I don't know if they, how much they talked about him on the broadcast. I thought he looked like himself. He probably should have scored on that little swing pass. Um, the, the one where Hafunga, whatever, chases him down. But I think the rookies are all playing fine. I think it's honestly the older guys who don't look so hot here later in the year, to be honest. This next one is from Imran. When will, the, when will it be time to move on from Pete Curl? Not saying he has to go, but given his age, it's inevitable. I love that quote. Not saying he has to go, but when are we about to move on from bro? That's crazy. Um, that's, that's hilarious. Uh, I, I'm not sure. But if if they if 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 we end up at seven and ten for back to back seasons, then we have, might have to have a conversation. Um, we have to have a conversation okay. because then it'll be seven and ten, like I mentioned earlier, with a lot of the same issues. You know, like 
This looks a lot like the roulette rest cook team. It does. The second half, it looks without so, the defense. Yeah. yeah, at least on offense, it looks like that. On defense, it looks just on defense. They've they've never been this bad against the run, but they have been this bad. So then it's just like all you did was create. You, you fixed your giving up explosive pass plays issue to just give up a bunch of explosive runs. Like I mean, you didn't really fix shit. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you just you just you just swapped out the issue for another issue that is not fixing anything. Um, there's a quote about that. It's like no something with spite your face. Cut off your nose, something. There's a little idiom or a phrase there for that. But anyway, so I think if yeah, if you get to seven and ten with some of the issues that they've had, because you think about it, man, Pete's Pete's gotten rid of about pretty much all the important things you can get rid of to fix some of these issues. He's changed defensive signal callers. I'm talking about on the field. Then he's changed defensive coordinators. He's changed secondary coaches. He's changed O line coaches. He's changed run game coordinators. He's changed quarterbacks. Like he's changed just about everything, you know, over the last like six seasons. So if you, if some of these issues persist and become fatal flaws, um, and you still can't field a top fifteen defense since twenty seventeen <laughs> issue, um, then yeah, if you get seven and ten because of some of that stuff, yeah, it's time to have a conversation. I think it is very much time to have a conversation because you that just means you're consistently gonna have you're gonna be good at the things that you know Pete's culture says you'll be good at but then you'll probably be bad at some of these things and then in some scenarios where you fix something you're bad at it just create another issue you know so I think that it's seven and ten to answer that question that's when we we have a little conversation here this next one is from Brian Manzo Seahawks have had a poor home record for the past few seasons is there a sense that teams no longer think Seattle's a difficult place to play? No, that's a fair question. Um, I do not get that sense. And that's from even talking to like some of the my peers who cover the other team and get the quotes from the other guys. Because I don't ever go to the visiting locker room. I don't even know where it is, um, to be mm-hmm. honest. But actually, yeah, I do. I've been in there once for the Dragons game, I think. Um, XFL. Anyway, uh, no, I don't think. I think this was kind of like my hot take that no one really asked me about ever because it was before we started doing this i actually never thought like the home field advantage thing was much of a thing you know when it was legion of boom primetime stuff like i thought the false start thing was real um because that's something you could see but i never really thought like the home field advantage felt was, was, was a real like unstoppable force type of thing in the heyday I just thought the team was really good. Like they won the Super Bowl by 30 in a neutral field. You know, like I think that when you're just good, you win everywhere. It, you know, they had some, they had a little bit of issue with some of those 10 a.m. East Coast starts. Like I think that had some validity, but I think they were winning at home a lot because they were winning a lot everywhere. You know, <laughs> if they'd have played all of their games in Poland, as long as they'd have had the Legion of Boom, they'd have won a bunch of games in Poland. You know, like I just think that that's that it, it got overstated. Not to say that it didn't matter. Because like, it did matter in a lot of those, in, in specific instances, a lot of third downs, late game situations, crowd going crazy, teams having to use silent count. Like that stuff did have an impact, but I don't think it was just like teams hopped off the plane, smelt the Pacific Northwest air, and their booties got tight. I don't think that's how that worked. Uh, I just think that they were playing a Legion of Boom team that was kicking everybody's ass everywhere they played, including neutral site Super Bowls and playoff games. So um, I guess they didn't win a lot of playoff games on the road, but you get my point. Like, I think that they were just a good team that was winning. It wasn't necessarily that they were unstoppable or whatever the hell at home. And now they're not a good team. Um, so they're losing. I don't think that it's any deeper than that. 
This next one is from Craig R. Which of the Seahawks key needs do you see them filling in free agency versus via the draft? Which current Seahawks do you think won't be on the team come April? Ooh, that's a look. So I think that they'll probably have to, if they don't re-sign Cody, um, which they could, I'm not really sure. If, if, if they don't, linebacker will probably be something that they, that they address in free agency. I don't know what the inside linebacker class looks like in the draft, but I could see them wanting a veteran next to Jordan, perhaps. Um, or maybe not a veteran, just someone, maybe actually on Cody's age, who's in like year five or whatever, but just played a little bit more ball um, than Cody. Because still, Cody's only, it's only starting, first year starting. So I could see that one being an obvious um, uh, thing that they address in free agency. I think that I think they're going to go to the trenches in free agency as well. I think you could probably see them going for some more guys who have played in similar systems, whether they played for the Bears in the past for Desai or played in Fangio schemes or played for other Seahawks assists, like guys who played for Dan Quinn, guys who have played for Gus Bradley, just whatever. Guys who are just familiar with with Pete's system or whatever. I think you could see that in free agency. Um, probably a wide receiver three. Probably wide receiver in free agency as well. Uh, you know, even if Marquise does want to come back, I think they could because they're just not getting anything out of anyone that's not Marquise, uh, Tyler, or DK. So yeah, I think those positions are probably what you're looking at in free agency. I don't know about anywhere else in the offensive line. You're probably going to get at least one veteran offensive lineman, kind of like how they did with like Fluker, Jr. Sweezy, um, Mike Ayupati. So probably at least one guard. Maybe because you probably have to into to that question about who's going to be on the team. Some guys will probably end up not just because they're too expensive. Like Gabe, Gabe probably ends up getting cut, uh, save some money there. I think you're locked into the contracts for Quandre, DK, Tyler, and missing one, a big one. Oh, Jamal. Um, I think you're locked in all those. Uh, I could I could see not resigning Cody. I could just, I could see cleaning house on the entire D line. Honestly, um, I could see bringing back Q Jeff, but I could see Q Jeff just not wanting to be back. Um, I could I could see not doing that. I could see uh, I, I think you got to keep Shelby. Shelby's a dog. Um, Al Woods, like I said, Brian Monet's hurt. So you got, I could just see outside of maybe those three dudes. Um, probably, I don't know how many years Bruce got left him. Him, you know, you bring Chenna back and Boye. Uh, but yeah, I think. I think you could see how many D-line guys do they have right now? Let me see. They got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Basically, I could see eight new guys mm. on the on the roster next year. Maybe maybe seven. I could see like seven new guys uh, up front with like maybe eight total new front seven guys next year. I really think that that there's not many guys on there who are like I gotta have you back. Right, right. Mm. That, that 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 unit is due for an overhaul. This next one comes from at B Boy Casual. He has a few. We'll start with: Does it feel like this team is lacking in identity on both sides of the football? Yeah, man. I'm gonna plug my. I wrote a column about this on like Tuesday, man. They're just bad at the things that Pete Carroll wants them to be good at, and they right back being on the let. let it was let Russ cook. Now it's let Geno cook. 48 dropbacks today. 13 design runs. Come on, man. Well, I was I was talking to one of the linemen today. He was like, "How many yards we run for?" I was like, "Oof, all right, I'll tell you." And I told him the numbers. He was like, "Yeah, we got to be better than that." Um, so, yeah, that it is it is some bad. They don't have an identity. 
They don't. I asked Pete Carroll that on Monday. I said, hey, did your team have an identity? He was like, no, we haven't really captured what we had when we were playing well in that little four-game stretch. He said, we know what we want to be. Just got to work towards it. And that means no, they don't. They don't have an identity. Their identity right now is drop back and have Geno throw and pray the other team turns it over on defense. This that's, next, oh, go ahead. No, that's it. That's their identity right now. That's not good. They haven't forced a turnover, I think, in uh, since the Rams game. So, is this the right defensive scheme for this team? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think this, the 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 scheme, the way they're doing their cover three now is funky. Like I, I can't even really recognize it all the time. Like we went over to play that you had the the Tariq PBU um, from the Panthers game, like. Even we couldn't really tell if that was covered three at first. Uh, it was. But then they had, I think, the, the busted play today, I think, was covered three. But it was it looked really weird. It was messy. Yeah, it was. It looked like a drop eight call, a three-man rush. And, but you couldn't really tell what Bruce was supposed to be doing or what Jordan was supposed to be doing and then what Tariq was supposed to be doing. It, it, Pete said it wasn't complicated because he knows more ball than us. But still, it just some of their stuff has looked really really funky um so i think the scheme is fine i just think there's no scheme for not having the right horses there you can you can only scheme around talent on defense for so long so yeah i think the scheme itself is fine um the niners are running a version of it (laughs) running that shit just fine um vikings too running like a decent version of it that looks that looks fine so there's teams running a version of this stuff that works they're just uh, they got you know a little bit of talent up front and everywhere else they ain't just up front why does Shane Waldron continue to run those screens? Why don't the Seahawks just run more power plays with the six offensive linemen or a fullback? Yeah, a, a fullback would be an interesting wrinkle in the offense. I don't know why they haven't invested more in that in particular. I'm not, I'm not big on the sixth old lineman thing because they're basically putting another guy out there who can't run a route. So your advantage is not like what you think it is. Um, whereas a fullback can legitimately go out there and catch a pass or whatever, you know, like there's that funny meme of the the Ravens fullback and the, the comedian Drewski. It's funny. Uh, just Google uh, Pat Richard and Drewski on Twitter. It's so funny. Uh, anyway, yeah. No, nah, uh, if Shane if Shane Walker calls another screen pass, that doesn't work, man. I need to work to get his number and call him during our post game show. Don't even care if they're flying back from Missouri and be like, dog, what are you doing? Why are you doing this, Chris? They don't work. They never work and i don't know what they need to see they threw a pick six on this oh that wasn't a screen that wasn't it was like a swing pass but still stop running screens find another way to manufacture run get back to the jet sweep some more keys like i I think those are cool do one to dk pitch it to tyler i don't know get back to the wildcat or even i just don't want to see no that they're not working they don't work to disley they don't work to noah they don't really work to dk they don't they don't really run on the tyler but they don't work to ken stop 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 i i i i i'm pissed i just got pissed thinking about that shit. that's so terrible please shane stop running screens they don't work please our last one comes from ryan turner at turns 44. Give us a guy or guys who you've enjoyed covering this season and a story about them that didn't hit print. Oh, okay. This is good. But Ryan, Ryan delivers, man. Uh, okay. I don't, I don't know 
if I have a guy, if I have a store that if, if I didn't print it, that means I can't print it. Uh, Tariq would be my answer, though. Um, Tariq has just been very fun to learn and get to know. And I've written a lot about him and I've talked to people about him. And you can tell he's just kind of the next guy that I'm going to be writing about for a while. Very similar to DK. Um, I don't know if I have a story. I don't know if I have a story about him that that's like super um, cool. I do. It was it was funny uh, when I was in the locker room one day and uh, and I was asking him. So Tariq broke his forearm in college. I don't know if people know that he broke it twice. And I was asking him, like, how did you break your same arm twice? Um, and he was like, man, he was, I, I don't know if you guys watch Tariq's interviews. It's so funny. He says, shoot to answer every question. And now that I'm saying, if you haven't noticed, you'll know it. It's like, hey, hey Tariq, ask him something. Shoot, I just, it's like, Eric Black, shoot, I just, so now you'll, now you'll notice he says that. Anyway, so I asked him, like, dude, how you break your arm? I was like, shoot, trying to tackle the running back. And so what he does is he shows me, like, he, he tries to almost, like, tackle me with his forearm, like, to my knees, <laughs> showing me, like, look, this is how I tried to tackle the dude, and that's how I broke my arm. Um, so that was just kind of because that was really early in the year when I was asking that too. I didn't really know each other that well. Um, so yeah, Tariq has been very fun to cover. Um, somebody, Shelby Harris. Shelby is really funny. Shelby has developed into just calling me ugly every time he sees me. Wow. <laughs> today, for, it's playful. I can take a joke, so I'm not really. I I don't, I don't trip. Um, but like today, for example, he just. I said, hey, Shelby, you got a second? And he's just staring at me like people on YouTube can't see or people on the listening audio can't see. He just stares at him like this for like two seconds. And I'm just like, uh, you, you good? He, yeah. I was like, you all right? He's like, yeah, man, I just I just couldn't believe how ugly you are. <laughs> I was like, damn. <laughs> Thanks, Shelby. Yeah. And it's fine. It's fine. We we, we joke, you know, it's, it's all good. You know, I ain't really tripping. Shelby also does. I don't know if you guys all grew up with the person who like does the thing where you you put your arm like a, like a chef's kiss, like motion where you've got all your fingers touching each other like a bud. Like and you put it below your waist and you try to get got the him. To look at it. The got him. Shelby does that shit like every day. <laughs> he got me He's like a one big time. kid, he, big kid, bro. He got me like one time in like week three. Is he the I, NFL version of Shaq? Yes, he's basically he's not as funny. Like Shaq's just really just a big playful bear. But like Shelby got me once in like week three with that shit. And I told him, I was like, you'll never get me with that again. Like I just promise you that you're gonna try. And you'll he has not. He tried me on a Tuesday. Nope. Didn't get me. So uh, those two, because they're new guys to the roster. They've been they've been very fun. I miss been some other guys too, but those two really, really stand out. Hopefully those two little anecdotes and satisfy Ryan's question. I, that's a good question. I'm glad I'm glad he asked and I got to I got to share those. Those two dudes are very fun. It reminds me of every time I come to training camp, even though Quandre calls you it, he also calls me little guy. What's up, little man? I'm just like, bro, you're literally like three inches taller than me and you got the weight. That's it. I'm like, you ain't that big. He's like, nah, man, you my little man. I'm like, bro, see what you started, Mike? Every time he sees me, hey, what's up, little man? I'm just like, what up, Quandre, man? How you doing? I'm, I'm living good, bro. How are you, man? Bro. He was, Quandre uh, calls me little man so much for a minute there until just last week, just last game. I didn't think he knew my name was Mike. I really, <laughs> he called me Mike for the first time on Sunday. I um, don't expect him to say Chris or Christopher anytime soon. I think I'm, I think I'm destined to be little man until he, he deems me worthy of my real name. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, you have yeah. earned the right, Mike, to be called Mike. I haven't earned that clearly. 
I just got called Mike for the first time on Sunday. It was very funny. But anyway, that was a uh, th- 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 those two Shelby and Tariq have been very fun to cover for very different different reasons, man. It's it's it's, it's funny to see them still like that. Like like I said, Shelby was like that today. They lost, you know, and he's yeah. still you know he's still him, you know, and and that's I, I appreciate that. Those two dudes. I hope they're. I know Tariq will be around next year. I hope Shelby is too because those I'm enjoying covering those dudes. Did but I get you? You have to have it below your waist. I know. I was just being silly. I didn't want to stand up. Yeah, no, you can't. I got PJs on, man. Yeah, no, I, I'm never getting got with that again. So Shelby uh, sounds like a dude. Mike, tie your shoe, man. Oh, look, oh, got him. He, he don't even do a lot. He'll just be like, hey, man, oh, you dropped something. And he'll be like, I, I, you're not getting me because I know I ain't dropped shit. Like, <laughs> I ain't got nothing in my pocket. So nothing, nothing <laughs> next time he's going gonna to throw a pin on the floor. Mike, you dropped it. And he's going to be like, what? Dog, the one time I'm gonna drop my notebook or something, or whatever, my pen, and then that's when Shelby's gonna get me. I know. Got him. Yeah, but yeah, no, that's a great question, Ryan. Thank you for that. That was good. I'm glad we got to share something fun on what's otherwise pretty doom and gloom episode, man, because these guys ain't pretty good. Yeah. Well, that'll do it. We want to thank everyone out there for tuning in for another episode of Seahawks Man to Man. We will come back next Wednesday with a new episode. It'll be previewing the Seahawks and the Kansas City Chiefs as that game will be on Christmas Eve. Thank goodness it's at 10 a.m. because I was like, damn, I am not trying to do a late pod <laughs> on Christmas do, Eve. We can, we can squeeze in a film thing before that. Oh, that too. I, I figured we were going to do that maybe Sunday or something. But yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah. Have, we'll have a film review of what everyone saw Thursday night. <laughs> and then we'll we'll do our, our preview of the Chiefs and Seahawks as that should be a fun one, hopefully. And the Seahawks yeah. can put up some points out there in the – and the Kansas, hopefully it ain't cold out there, but I'm assuming it'll be 10 degrees and snowing. <laughs> Tyler jinxed it, man. He was like, it's going to snow, watch. And I'm just like, Doug, why would you say that? <laughs> well, by the time you get back, it'll probably, actually, no, I don't think it'll snow next week. I really actually, don't want it to be, tra- I don't want to be traveling in the snow in the Midwest on Christmas. So Fair point. I just want get, to get there and get back. So that's it. That's all that is. Well, other than that, man, anything you want to add, Mike? The love, the love you guys are showing, the questions, the feedback, the listening, the watching on YouTube, everything. We appreciate all that love, even though the team just is, is struggling right now. We appreciate that you guys are locked in with us every time. Appreciate that we're all on your guys' Spotify, Raptor, whatever stuff, you know, at the end of the year where your podcasts are. We appreciate all that. Thank you for the love. And we'll catch you guys uh, later this week. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.